Welcome back to Unboxed. Today, Dr. Davis and I will discuss the importance for leaders to understand the relationship system of the workplace. We're ready to dive in. We're excited that you're here. So stick around as we unbox the power and the potential of your leadership. I'm Dr. Robert Davis, family life educator and leadership coach. This is my co-host, R.P. Soriano. Soriano attended John Hopkins Carey Business School, worked in the financial industry, and was an international consultant before partnering with me to launch Unbox the Lead. Me? Well, I worked for over 20 years as a senior pastor and a community organizer. Then I retired and started a leader's peer support community called Unbox the Lead. Soriano and I have been friends since the early 90s, and with our varied experiences and expertise, we help leaders reach the next level in their leadership. So join us for the next few moments as we unbox the power and the potential of your relationships, your leadership, and your life. Welcome back, everyone, to another un Unbox broadcast. Uh, R.P. Soriano here with Dr. Davis. And unfortunately, today, I can't see your beautiful face. Oh, man, you've got me over here blushing. I'm in Poughkeepsie, <laughs> New York, and, uh, you know, I, I have very poor Internet reception. And so uh, they're going to have to hear us. We're going to torture them with our voices. Uh, as 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 my mother told me when I was young, son, you've got a face for radio. <laughs> and I'm sure the the the, the proud uh, infrastructure or people responsible for infrastructure in uh, Poughkeepsie or where, was, where are you? Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie, New York will not will not be happy to hear that you're uh, uh, putting down their internet service. Uh, at any rate, well, welcome back, everyone. We're here today, uh, like I said, with Dr. Davis. We've got an exciting topic uh, to discuss. We are pure audio today, so that takes a that's gonna uh, that's a little different for me. I'm used to playing off of uh, Dr. Davis's facial expressions to know when I'm doing well and when I'm not. Uh, at any rate, uh, let's let's take care of a couple of housekeeping things before we dive into our uh, our subject. We want to remind everyone to like, share, and subscribe the broadcast, and also to be sure to follow us on our social media platforms: Facebook, Twitter, and especially LinkedIn. Uh, we've got we we if you follow our LinkedIn page, you'll get all kinds of updates about the things that we're doing, uh, particularly around all of the uh, webinars that we offer. Uh, and you can also log on to our website or visit our website at www.unboxtolead.com and sign up for our newsletter. Well, you'll get, uh, like I said, you'll get updates in your inbox about upcoming webinars and other things that we're doing so that you are constantly in the know about what we've got going on. Uh, and you can also listen to some past episodes there, webinars and podcasts, and uh, uh, listen to some of the episodes. We've had some really exciting guests in the past. And, uh, you know, you can you can catch up on anything you may have missed. So at any rate, our topic today, Dr. Davis, is understanding the relationship system of the workplace. Now, I guess clinically speaking, we use this term uh, system, relationship system, family systems. Can you kind of give us an overview or give us a better understanding of what we mean by these terms? And then we can just kind of dive into what we mean by the workplace uh, relationship system. 
Yeah. So, of course, when we think about a system, we think about, you know, uh, the uh, big bin clock. We think about an engine. We just got a lot of different components that come together to make something function. That's very much simple. And so the way that works is whenever two or more people come together uh, in relationship with the, with each other, they form a relationship system. I mean, it's just as as natural as natural can be. So uh, that's what we mean when we talk about a relationship system. It's just two or more people coming together and having relationship with one another, with one another whether that is a church uh, relationship system, whether it is a uh, at school with educational relationship system, uh, the workplace, or of course the biological family. Uh, that's that's very interesting. I mean, you gave a very clear definition of how or what goes into making a system. And immediately I thought, well, if the parts aren't working, then the system doesn't work. I can imagine if the parts of the uh, clock tower in London, Big Ben that you mentioned, if, if, if the gears are all rusty or something's not working, then the, the, the bells don't toll, the hands don't move. Uh, so uh, go ahead. Oh, so that's exactly it. I mean, you really hit the nail on the head. Um, and so that's why it's so important for the leadership, uh, for the leader to make sure that they are functioning at high capacity and at, uh, at, at a high level, rather. Okay. So, okay. So we've got that working definition of a system going on. And you mentioned earlier that there are different types of systems uh, and, and that whenever people come together, they're func- they create that system, whether it's, whether it's church, whether it's family, whether it's, it's work. We talk a lot about family systems at Unboxed to Lead uh, and particularly how, how our family system impacts our leadership. But what's the, can you talk a little bit about the difference between the family system and the relationship system, specifically as it pertains to the workplace? Yeah. So, you know, um, I want to be very clear that while church relationships are a relationship system and while workplace is a relationship system and all the other ones I talked about, education, fraternities, blah, 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 uh, they are different than our family relationship systems. And different for a couple of reasons. Number one is because, uh, first and foremost, our family is the one that teaches us how to function uh, in relationships. So your family of origin is where you learned how uh, human beings are supposed to manage relationships, et cetera. And, And so you're not learning how to manage relationships when you're at work or when you're at church. These are things that you've already learned within your family. So that's one of the major uh, differences. Second of all, because um, as it relates to biological family, because when we come into this world, we are so dependent both emotionally as well as physically on our families, the level of intensity uh, 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 as it relates to emotions, blah, if I can get the words out, as it relates to just the emotional level of intensity between uh, people within families is, 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 a, is a lot different than the level of intensity between people who work together, who go to church together, uh, et cetera. Uh, there's, there's, there's no dynamic like the family dynamic, whether it's adopted family or biological family. It's just the way that we have been programmed uh, through nature. I see. Yeah, because a lot of times when you think about the first thing you're taught when you, when you go into a professional workplace setting, you're taught to, to be professional. You're 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 expected to clearly not have the kinds of relationships that you would have with your uh, with your brother or sister uh, when you're trying to fight over space for the bathroom kind of kind of situation or trying to compete for for the love of a 
of another parent or whatever it is, or uh, whether, it's, whether it's contentious or whether it's extremely close, uh, the relationships are expected to be different. They're expected to be quote unquote professional in, in the workplace. Uh, so you're, you're not really kind of, I guess, what I, I guess what I hear you saying is you're not, you're not generally expected to be who you are at home, who you are at work. And, and exactly. And the irony is that many of the ways that we manage relationships at work, at church, uh, at, at, within our you know school, whether we're the professor or the student, um, is very much informed by how we learn to manage within uh, manage relationships within our families. So you, you really you really get a sense of how that looks. Uh, it's just that we kind of tidy it up a little bit within the workplace. Well, at least we're supposed to. And then we you know we've had a, a, a couple of uh, high profile individuals that didn't understand the difference between the workplace and the marriage family relationship and mistook some of the people that they were working with for their spouses. <laughs> so uh, that you be basically, you got some splaining to do. Um, <laughs> so, so I would imagine that that is a, this is kind of a, I'm following up on this. I know this is veering off on some of the direction we're going, but that, that would seem like a, like quite a uh, a source of tension and stress uh, if you if you're used to dealing if you if where you've learned how to manage your relationships be be it in a positive or negative way if if you've learned that from your from your family system and now you're in a, a workplace where you you can't deal with a coworker the way you would deal perhaps with a parent or with a sibling or some other member of your extended family, that must be the source of a lot of anxiety. If you don't have the tools to, to if the only tools you have are the tools that you use with your, with your immediate family. Cause I, I guess what I'm saying, you can take a lot of, we tend to take a lot of shortcuts with our family. We really do. And that's a very good, that's a very a great observation. Uh, but I want to just kind of add on to that, that, while we may modify how it looks, when you pull away the veneer, you kind of notice that the way that we learn to function and to manage relationship difficulties within our family, we take those exact same strategies and techniques into all other relationships. So that's why it's so important to really work on our family to become you know, stronger. Uh, within our family relationships, because we actually do take it. It's just it just looks different. Mm -hmm. And the level of intensity is different because, of course, we don't have the same emotional connection to our coworker that we have to our brother or sister just because of years, because of the dependency that we have on one another within the family and a whole lot of other dynamics. But the way we manage things. So let's just say, for instance, one of the ways that I manage relationship difficulties within my family is by not speaking to family members. And we're going to get a little more into this in just a moment. Um, so while I can't, you know, just not speak to my coworkers, what will happen is you will find individuals only speaking when absolutely necessary. So they're like, hey, you know what? I gotta, I gotta stay here because I gotta eat. I can't afford to lose my job or whatever it may be. But you know, I don't want to be bothered with them. So I say just the bare minimum. You know, they don't go, they don't go to uh, uh, Christmas parties and all that stuff. They've always got an excuse why they can't come. So while it looks a little different than what it does with families, you know, where the person just you know won't uh, call family members or go visit them or anything like that, uh, you still see the basic relationship patterns being replicated 
in all the various relationships that they are part of, relationship systems that they find themselves in. That's why once we understand how to manage relationships, we can translate that skill set into all other relationship systems, even though they're not identical. Okay, so you've kind of answered it, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, because I think you have more to say on this. So why is it important for leaders then to embrace the concept of the relationship system uh, and the workplace as a relationship system? I mean, you've answered a lot of that, but but can you can you bring it home? Yeah, because when you understand how systems work, how human relationships function, then when things start to go awry, you have a better sense of what's going on. You know, for instance, me, and I can't deal with these new cars, but, uh, and you remember when I was much younger, there wasn't a whole lot that I couldn't fix on an automobile. Right. The right. challenge that I had was I couldn't diagnose it. And I can't fix anything on these new cars, man. Everything is computerized. Sure. Yeah. Tools and stuff. But back in the day when you could just get a, a flathead of Phillips and some wrenches and go, go to town, I could fix anything on a car. But the challenge that I had was I didn't know how to diagnose what was what was wrong. Right. Uh, and so um, understanding systems, and that's why a good mechanic, when he understands the system and the functioning of the car, he can just listen to a little, drive it for a few blocks. He's listening. And it's like, oh, this is what's going on with your car. And you're like, right. man, how did you know that? Because he understands the system of the automobile. And so that's that's why it's so important for leaders to understand how relationships function, how the relationship system what we call relationship system functions so that when things are going awry, they can diagnose and then can also uh, begin to repair. And then also good diagnosis. Like I said before, I had the ability to be able to work on the car myself if once I knew what was wrong with it. Um, and so once someone tells you what's wrong, a lot of times we can begin to uh, uh, develop strategies effective strategies to uh, to strengthen, repair, et cetera. Okay. So, you know, we only have a, this is supposed to be a 30 minute broadcast. It usually turns into uh, double that uh, normally once we get to kind of talking, but if we were going to give, if we were going to give somebody just the, 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 the bare bones, a leader to get them started, the bare bones essentials of where to start about, with regard to understanding the relationships, if you could think of three things or three steps, uh, what 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 were those three things that like the most important things to kind of get started to understand this relationship system? It wouldn't even be three things. It would just really be just one thing. So okay. when we understand the purpose, if you will, um, or the functioning of a relationship system, that gets us so far. And I'm gonna tell you what that is. So for instance, what is the purpose of a clock? Because the difference, the, there's a difference between how a clock system works and how an automobile system works, even though they both have nuts and bolts and, and gears and pulleys and all that stuff in it. But they work totally different uh, okay. and they have, because they have a different purpose. What is the purpose of relationships? What is the purpose of relationships with humans? And people are going to think that I'm crazy when I say this, but as we talk a little further, it's going to make perfect sense. The purpose of relationships is survival. That is the purpose of relationships, survival. And when effective leaders understand that the purpose and the function or, or function of relationships is survival, the relationship system is in place for survival.
Okay. All right. All right. Let's dive into that just a little bit. Give me an example. I, I'm, I'm assuming that this, this has some evolutionary roots, or uh, maybe if you don't want to use that term, you say some early human roots in the sense of how we function as a system uh, for survival before we, before we uh, found ourselves in the modern age. Uh, talk about how is that, is that still hardwired in us, this, this, this sense of, of survival? Is it as intense as it was thousand years ago or is it uh you know talk talk a little bit more about that yeah so so again the key purpose of functioning of a relationship system is survival and and i think everyone today a christian and of course you know i i, I am a christian and i was a christian pastor uh for for over 20 plus years uh and i still believe in evolution um, and so whether you believe that God created the world or whether you believe that the world came about, uh, about as a result of evolution, um, we all agree that humans evolve. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, the fact that we have automobiles and didn't have automobiles 2000 years ago shows that we that we evolve. Uh, we right. also see, you know, when, um, genetically, when we look at physical features and stuff, uh, humans evolve, et cetera, et cetera. With that being said. Uh, one of the main purposes for relationships, however you look at it, is to preserve and to continue the human race. Mm -hmm. So individuals came into relationships for several reasons. Number one, to continue themselves. So a man and a woman come together for the purpose of creating another human being. I mean, we just break it down to its most fundamental state. A man and a woman comes together to create another human being. Then uh, human beings come together uh, in order to protect each other. You know, that herd, that herd concept or herd mentality. We need to look out for and to protect each other from outside danger. And there were, you know, there's outside danger. The elements, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to build shelter when three or four people are working together than for one man to have to chop the tree, uh, uh, you know, um, measure, scrape, try to put up a whole house by themselves just using wood and an axe. Uh, so human beings came together to, to, uh, to, to find protection from the elements, to find protection from wild animals, to find protection from other human beings. And so uh, when you look at the relationship, there is a survival component, uh, or rather the, the center of it is to, um, to preserve the human race and, and, to, and to provide uh, survival and safety. I'm R.P. Soriano, and I'm here with Dr. Robert Davis. You're listening to Unboxed, and we're talking about work relationship systems. Uh, we're we're discussing uh, we're discussing getting a better understanding of relationship systems, how they work, why they function, and you've just said that this is really all about survival. So the question I have, and I think I was trying to ask this question earlier and asked it the wrong way, uh, what's the leader's role? in the relationship system then yeah so the leader's role number one of course is to understand how relationship systems function to really do some reading and to do some observation to be you know to be an observer uh one of the things that my wife enjoys doing is what is called people watching uh she enjoys just oh don't we all don't yeah. we all yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, I never got into people watching. As much as I'm talking about this, I never really took up the thing about people watching. And I need to do that more. But my wife loves it. She loves just. Oh, no. My, my wife and I love to go to restaurants, sit outside, just watch uh, and just 
after we've had our conversation, we'll just sit there and watch. And, and I have to say, it's a guilty pleasure. We do a lot of judging. I, I have to admit <laughs> it. I'm, who we're fooling? We do a lot of judging. We do a lot of you know, head shaking and eye rolling. Uh, which we probably should get out of, but so maybe you know, I enjoy. do more people watching that I'm taking credit for because yeah, you I, probably do. Yeah, you probably yeah, do. Probably yeah. Do. If, if you if you, you find it, it that way, that's right. If you find in your head that you're judging and shaking your head and and looking at people wondering what what are these strange beings doing, then you're people watching. <laughs> that's the whole point. There's no other point for doing. That. No other point, man. So, <laughs> so a leader, when a leader does that, when a leader is observational, when they when they're really trying, when they seek through uh, research and study to understand how relationship systems function, when they do their best to understand what is going on within their, within their system. Uh, and then when they try to create a culture, this is, this is one of the things I really hope that we really dive into, when they try to create a culture to help people to understand that we're not in a life and death battle. Because unlike our ancient ancestors, we are not in a day-to-day -day survival for our lives against the elements, against wild animals, and against other murdering tribes. Um, and I'm going to put a little asterisk next to that because for some reason, man, we just can't stop murdering each other. But that's a whole other story for another day. But, sure. you know, we're really not in a day-to-day -day crunch. You know, um, our ancestors, man they needed rain they they were always behind the eight ball because they you know it was a day-to-day -day survival they didn't know when someone's going to ride in on a horse and just kill the whole village and this was all over the world you know people didn't know what was going to happen the next day so far as nature was concerned and was crops going to produce you know now we just go to the grocery store we, nobody knows how to garden by the way i have an awesome garden but a leader uh, so that I don't get uh, uh, too bogged down telling how wonderful my garden is and the collard greens that are growing. But a leader has to get to has to be able to help the team to understand and to and to get to a place and not through lecturing, but I'll, I'll talk about how this looks. But just to help to create an environment among the team members where people are not in full survival mode. And that's one of the things that unfortunately we do. We are in we're too much in survival mode when we're not fighting for our survival. Mm. So we're acting like people needed to act when they were, you know, moving through the Serengeti and you had no idea whether a lion was going to attack you, an elephant was going to, was going to, uh, um, you know, stomp you into the ground or what. We're still living like that when we didn't know when some raiders were going to come and, 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 and um, destroy our whole village. But we're still living like that and we're not in that environment. We're, we're in the most technological era of human history. And so a leader has to be able to help people to calm down, mm. to understand that they don't, that they don't have to be on the edge, that it's going to be okay, that they not they don't have to fight for their survival, et cetera. It's interesting. Do you do you feel and I I I just want to I just want to dive into that just for a quick second here. Do you feel that we've created this artificial uh Artificial environment. Look, business realities are business realities. Uh, you, you have to be competitive. You know, you have to be able to survive in business. Uh, however, do you, you know, there, there are always these analogies that are used that we are fighting for survival. We've got to destroy the competition. Like we use these words and we use these images to create this kind of fight for your life scenario. And it, and it seems to, it, it does seem to create that that atmosphere in organizations that 
you know, we've got deadlines, we've got, you know, this is, it's either, this is either going to make us or break us. Uh, it's all or nothing. And there, and there, and we do have that very stressful type of, uh, uh, you know, we've created, created that very stressful type, that stressful type of environment. Are you, are you saying that there's no need for all of that or that we don't need to, that, that our reaction is a little far more extreme than, as you said, you know, being surprised by a lion or, uh, a, you know, a, a marauding village coming in to uh, wipe everybody out. Yeah. We have people who are actually at war right now. I mean, there are nations around the world where people are afraid for their day to day existence. They genuine, genuinely don't know when someone is going to roll up and blow their brains out and their entire family's brains out. Right. There are people who don't know where they're going to get their water from. Right. I mean, they, they don't know if they're going to die from dehydration. They don't know where their next meal, literally where their next meal is coming from. Um, we have, you know, we have Navy SEALs that are just sent into some of the most trying circumstances, man, where they don't, they really just don't know if they're going to get blown up. And so we have to kind of tune down the rhetoric that tries to suggest that if, you know, fee fi fo fum business goes out of business, that that is akin to people who are worried that a that a missile may blow up their entire village tomorrow? Mm-hmm. There, there's there's no comparison. And when we start to when we start to to ratchet up that rhetoric, when we create that kind of environment, that culture, that atmosphere, if you will, within the workplace, it's really not healthy. It's not healthy for the emotional well being. It's not healthy for the relationships uh, that exist within the workplace. And so, one of the fun- one of the purposes and one of the responsibilities—that's the word. One of the responsibilities of the leader is to help people to understand that what you're doing is important. But it, but we're not going to die if we don't get this right, mm-hmm. because there are people who, if they don't get it right, they will die. Uh, the people who plan the assault on Osama bin Laden's uh, compound. If they didn't get that right, they were going to die. Right. There's a world of a difference between uh, rushing in on Osama bin Laden's compound and, uh, you know, missing your mark uh, for your quarterly, you know, your quarterly uh, targets. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So w- what else? What else? What What is the other response? So you, ha- I mean, you essentially are saying that it's that a leader has to be intentional and to help their their team have control over their own emotional reactivity. Clearly, that starts with the leader. Uh, what What about keeping contact uh, with with we We've talked about that in the past about making sure that that one of our responsibilities in in fostering healthy relationships is keeping contact. And and, and I want and I want to talk about contact, but if I can just back up because there's something I wanted to share a moment ago that I didn't get a chance to share, and if I can just okay. back up for one quick second, and I want to talk just a little bit about how survival tactics show up in relationship behaviors. And that's, and the reason I want to go back just for a second is because once we understand this, I think it will give a little more clarity about how the leader helps to create that calm in the workplace. Okay. So I apologize that I didn't mention this. No, that's all right. That's but I want right. to talk about how these survival tactics show up in uh, relationship behaviors. Uh, there are three primary survival tactics, uh, fight, flight and seeking help. So you think about it, if a 
uh, you know, if a lion came charging at you, you're going to do one of three things. You're going to fight. You're going to run, which is flight. Or you're going to yell to the top of your lungs, help, help, somebody help me. And I feel like I'd be doing probably all three of those. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and, and, and some combination thereof. No, that, that's yeah, a very good yeah, point. Yeah. That's a very good point. And so when we talk about fight in relationships, that typically shows up as conflict. When we talk about flight, uh, which is a human instinct relative to survival, it's, 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 it's not just humans, but throughout all of nature. We're sure. talking about flight. We're talking about distancing and cut off. Mm-hmm. And, and I really love just talking about it's in all of nature. I love watching those nature shows. And when you see a lion get scared, I mean, it is so funny to watch the king of the jungle when something spooks the uh, the lion. And he's like, oh, and he's looking around like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? It's just hilarious. You're like, dude, get yourself together, man. You're the, <laughs> you're the king of the jungle out here, man. Until Ask I'm him. not. Until I'm not, right? <laughs> yeah, you are until you're not. So, um, so yeah, you have fight. Uh, which is often in relationships uh, demonstrated through conflict, flight, which is often demonstrated as distancing. I talked about that just a few moments ago, or just cutting off from people. You mm-hmm. know, here's the danger. Let me get as far away from what I perceive to be emotional danger. And then the third one is seeking help. And this is the good one. That's through gossiping. Uh, that's one of the things we talk about, triangling others into the relationship challenges. It's me going and saying uh, to another person, Man, what is wrong with Raphael? What, what do you mean, man? I mean, man, he's, you know, he, he he's always on his phone. He's talking loud, man. I'm trying to go over there and work. And he's never, you know, pulling his weight uh, because I'm seeing some difficulties in the relationship and I can't manage it. So I'm seeking help. So either I'm going to go and get into it with you uh, or I'm going to try my best to stay away from you. That's the flight. Or I'm going to try to seek help from someone else. And that's that's just a human response. That's just relationship patterns and relationship behaviors that we use as survival tactics. So when the leader understands that, that, hey, this is how people are trying to survive, it does so much. And and if I can just say a couple of more things just on that, I'll make it very brief. When a leader understands that his or her team is trying to survive, it really helps them to realize that the person is not the problem. There's something going on in the relationship system. And it helps them to just kind of calm down when you can just say, you know what, this is, this is just natural. This is, this is nothing to freak out about, even though it needs to be addressed. It's we're going to have to deal with it. I understand that I'm dealing with human beings and this is how human beings manage and deal with relationships. It just it helps the leader to become calm when they understand that. So I I have to tell you, you're pulling back the curtain on this. I mean, I, I like I'm 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 just gone and done a, a time warp and looked back at my entire career and everything now makes sense. Everything makes sense. Uh, and thinking about the the way that I have to deal with you and the team that I lead. Uh, now I'm understanding it's not you. And I feel much better about that. I thought it was you the whole time. And all my frustration. Yeah, my, my wife thought it was me. My kids thought it was me. Every coworker I've ever had thought it was me. Um, I mean, people that I just bump into on the streets, they say, hey, Robert, it's you. But yeah. I am convinced. <laughs> I am convinced. Well, no, I mean, I think, I think, no, I think it is you. <laughs> uh, I, I do believe it is you. 
<laughs> I think you are the exception. <laughs> All is and I'm definitely and I'm definitely the exception. It is definitely me and it is definitely you. Everybody else is probably just is probably just, you know, natural. Uh you're right, they're probably in a system, but I think you and I seriously have some clinical, you know, <laughs> It's like Jerry Seinfeld told uh, George, you need you need help, like professional help. You need to be like in a room diagnosed with a team of professionals around team of psychiatrists sitting around. All right. Okay. So this is great. I don't I don't want to. But this is great. I mean, you really are lifting back the curtain on this. So so go ahead. Continue. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You you. um, But yes, that that is that is so true. But oftentimes, uh, just to kind of follow up on, on the joke, oftentimes what happens is we look at people. And the person becomes the problem rather than understanding that this person is trying to survive. And unfortunately, they don't realize that they don't have to fight so uh, so hard or they don't have to run so hard or they don't have to yell for help so loud because it's really not a life and death situation. Mm-hmm. And when the leader can bring that type of calm within themselves by saying, you know what, Jim... Or, or or Jan is not my enemy. They're not, I don't need to destroy them. I don't need to, you know, teach them a lesson. What I need to do is I need to create an environment that brings down the temperature for everyone. All right. And so let's so, talk about go okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm, I'm listening. No, I was gonna say, well, let's 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 talk about that. Can we dive into that a little bit? Like what's the environment that the leader can create to kind of help mitigate the team operating in survival mode. Yeah, and that's and, and 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 that's it. The role of the leader is to create an environment where people can realize that they are not involved in a life or death battle for their lives or for scarce resources. And 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 effective leadership accomplishes this in three ways. Number 1, effective leaders are intentional to have control over their own emotional reactivity. Mhm. And I guess I should be number two, because the first thing I said was uh, effective leaders really do seek to understand how systems work. Number two, effective leaders are cognizant of the fact that uh, this is that this is not a life and death battle. And they do their best to try to help others to understand that. So I guess this would be actually number three. Effective leaders are intentional to have control over their own emotional reactivity. To say, you know what? Again, this is not this is not the end of the world. Uh, it's not like that song, "Hold My Hand." It's the end of the world. You know, no, this is not the end of the world. Um, number four, whatever number I'm at now, effective leaders establish establish relationships and remain in contact with the various factions in the organization. So, effective leaders realizing how people, unfortunately too often in relationships view things from a you know a survival perspective they recognize that if their calm is going to rub off on others and it does <clears throat> your calm will rub off on others and so they recognize if my calm is going to rub off on others then i have to be in contact with others so it's kind of like the opposite of 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 the um you know the the huge uh, global pandemic we just came out of where the goal was to get away from others because you didn't want to spread uh, disease. You do want to spread this. You want to spread your calm. And that calm is spread by being in contact with people. But 
flip thing leaders, flip of that is if you are highly anxious and scared, reactive in survival mode, that rubs off as well. But if you can remain calm, that's what a leader does. A leader says, I'm going to remain calm. And in order for me to help bring calm to others, I need to stay in contact with them. And are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Because I'm going to blow your mind with this, Raphael. I'm Hold ready. I'm ready. to your seats. It is best to remain in contact in a calm way for you to be calm and in contact with the most emotional and reactive, reactive person in your organization. Man, that's the one that you need to be in contact with because that's the one that your influence can uh, assist the most. Now, we can't change people, but we can influence people through our presence, through the power. I'm imagining, I'm imagining there are some people out there. I'm one of them. Uh, and so especially some people who tend to be a little more introverted that that sounds absolutely exhausting too. I mean, you said that there are, that, that, there, that there are four, what do you say, there are three, re, three ways that we react, fight, flight, asking for help. I'm gonna add one more, and that is uh, playing possum. Because I would imagine for some people dealing with the most emotional person uh, at work or in their family, they just would rather just lie down and play dead uh, out of just sheer exhaustion and hope that the person takes a couple of sniffs and walk away. Isn't that the same as, 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 uh, as distancing and cut off? I mean, that's, you know, the possum uses that technique. Well, yes, it's, a, it's the same. Yeah. It's the same as distancing and cut off, but it's a different kind of emotional reaction in the sense that I am too exhausted to even deal with this. I'm just, I'm shutting down in the sense that I just don't have the energy to deal with it. And I don't know where I'm going to get the energy to do it. I'm not even going to run away from this. I'm just, just completely just, uh, just unplug. And so let me, let me, let me clear up um, a misconception that individuals have. A misconception that individuals have is that an introvert would have more of a difficult time remaining in contact with highly anxious individuals because by nature they're introverts. I want to flip that around and say extroverts well, also have a difficult yeah. time because oftentimes extroverts yeah. rely on their charisma. Yeah. Rely no, on I, their... Go ahead. I think this is just a, may have been just a little bit delay here, so I'm going to go on just a little bit more. But unfortunately, in some cases, extroverts can, uh, can cause damage because they rely on their charisma, rely on their uh, interpersonal skills and their, you know, their swag and sway without doing the heavy lifting of making sure that they're thoughtful, that they're strategic, that they're coming across in a calm, collected way. So whether you're introvert or extrovert, the work of preparation to show up in highly anxious situations, as calm and collected as can be, is just as much work for either one of them. Effective, you know, in someone who's in a, a, a gifted speaker, they have to do just as much uh, preparation and study if they want to effectively speak as someone who is not as comfortable being up there on the stage uh, because the content 
is just as important in both in both situations. So, I mean, look, relationship systems, these are complex, a lot of moving parts. What's the what's the I would imagine that there is a lot of uh, temptation to try to just, you know, find a quick fix for this. I mean, we live in that and we live in the society of now. Right. So that's kind of how we're how we are programmed these days. So how does a leader get around this feel or this urge? Because you've talked about this, right? This we're in survival mode. And so I would imagine survival mode puts you in that you got to fix this now or the line's going to have you for lunch. Yeah. And that's and that's one of the things that an effective leader does. That's that's I guess that's number five. I lost count of the numbers. I apologize. Um, but I, let's, let's just call it five. Number five would be effective leaders understand that we're talking about thousands upon thousands of generations that are influencing how we function. And so we're not going to change all of that in just a matter of, you know, one meeting or one setting. So rather than pushing for rapid, quick fix uh, change uh, or leaders looking for their own narrow self-interest, there's this understanding that we're in this for the long game. Because another thing that really rises the level of anxiety and really is counterproductive uh, as it relates to creating a healthy workplace culture is when the leader tries to use and manipulate people for their own self-interest and they do it under the guise of trying to create a healthy workplace culture, people can really see through your phoniness. So that's why it's so important for the leader to first become clear with his or herself and then for the leader to try to show up in the best light possible. Because if your thing is, you know, I need I need for my team to be as calm and to be as productive as possible so that I can get to the next stop on this train of my own prefer- professional career. People are going to sense the the jive. They're going to sense the jive, man. Uh, real knows real and fake knows when they, uh, you know, and real knows fake as well. So they're going to catch up. They're just going to catch up with you. Uh, so, you know, effective leaders, you know, try to remain in contact with people, not so that they can manipulate them, but because they understand if I can, if I can allow my calm, less anxious presence to be experienced by others on the team, it really will lower the temperature. When people realize, man, that this is not this is not just some new strategy that the leader is using because they read another book or they attended another seminar, but this is actually who the leader is at their inner core. They're more thoughtful, more intentional, more uh, focused on having healthy relationships themselves. Man, it changes everything. And on that note, that's why it's so important to go where the phoniness doesn't pay off in 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 financial ways and that is to work at our family with our families of origin to be intentional about working within our uh, marital relationships with our children with our parents with our siblings aunts uncles cousins etc you know in those relationships where you know it's for the purpose of just having a healthy relationship doing those doing those reps in that environment man makes you unstoppable when you show up at work. Wow, that is a great connection. Uh, one that I think a lot of people, including myself, uh, 
it's difficult to make that connection. And I think you've done an incredible job of connecting why our family relationships inform so much of how we operate in our workplace relationships uh, and the work that needs to go into making both of those areas healthier and, I, you know, make them healthier. And I think a lot of the times that, that we don't point out or we're not clear enough uh, is that this is really about happiness and contentment, right? And, and being happier in your life. Like this isn't just, this isn't just for the sake of, you know, just for doing it. This is really finding a way of reducing anxiety and becoming a, just a happier and healthier person. Yes. That is all right. That, so that's hitting you hit the nail. I have to just say you hit the nail on the head with that one. Okay. All right. Uh, listen, I think that I think we've pretty much covered it all on this, on this top, not covered at all, but I think this kind of brings us to an end here, but before we, before we close out, you know, we do these shows and they are, are you know, they're kind of, you know, we, we record them and then we post them later. So a lot of the things that we're doing we really can't talk about because by the time someone listens to it, it's already happened. But we do have some webinars uh, that will be that will be coming up or that by the time you listen to this, they've already been uh we would have already finished. That's why we say it's important to visit our website to sign up for our newsletter so you can get them. But uh, the webinar that we have coming up next, or like I said, will be in the past, is um, imposter syndrome. And uh, I'm excited about that. And I've talked to a couple of colleagues and 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 uh, uh, people in my network about this. And this seems to be a. I'm excited to 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 be a part of it. I mean, this is a real this is a real issue. Uh, and uh, can you just give us just a little 30-second piece about what you're going to be talking about? Uh, and, and if someone hears this, you know, they can uh, go back and check it out on our website. Yeah, please make sure you visit the website. And when we talk about imposter syndrome, unfortunately, uh, the more we move up in organization, up the ladder in organizational leadership, uh, too often there is this sense that I don't belong that I'm really, you know, that pretty soon I'm going to get uh, caught and I'm going to be exposed for who I am. I wrestled with this for years. I used to have a recurring dream and I didn't know what it was about. And then I found out it was, you know, me, one of my one of my struggles with imposter syndrome, which would manifest itself as I would be speaking in a big auditorium and I just couldn't get my notes together. And I was just fumbling and bumbling and everyone realized this guy doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. He was never a gifted speaker. This was all just a big facade. Now we know who he really is. He really is a fumbling, bumbling buffoon. And that thing haunted me. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of times leaders struggle with that. And how does a leader, and this is what we really want to help leaders to come to grips with, how does a leader come to grips with the fact that they are competent and capable to lead their organizations and to live a fulfilled life. So if this 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 broadcast, of course, is airing after the webinar, so go to our website and register so that you can see the replay of that webinar. I believe it's going to change a lot of leaders' lives. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And I think uh, I, I totally agree with you as well. So uh, excited about that and uh, uh, looking forward to more great things. This has been an incredible discussion. 
uh, I have to say that I have, like I said, you pulled back the curtain on a lot of, you know, behavior and the way the workplace systems operate and why it's important for a leader to know that and the skills that leaders can develop to be able to, uh, to, to, to improve their workplace systems uh, and create a more healthier, happy workplace culture, which is what we're all about. And so I want to say thank you to Dr. Robert Davis and thank you to everyone who has uh, joined us for our uh, uh, broadcast here. I want to remind everyone to visit us online at www.unboxedtolead.com. And uh, that concludes our show. And we look forward to seeing you again uh, on Unboxed. Unbox provides a full-service leaders peer support community that helps high-level leaders become more authentic leaders who build healthy workplace cultures and reach their personal life goals. To learn more and discover how we can take your leadership and your life to the next level, please visit our website at unboxedtolead.com. That's unboxed, the number two, lead.com. Again, that's unboxed, the number two, to lead.com.